This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. So good morning, Vietnam. Oh, sorry, sorry, wrong venue. Good morning, everybody. This is I'm Dwayne Spronic here with Rocks to Roots. I'm here as always with Hillary Sepulveda. Hillary, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dwayne. Are you getting ready for a plant sale, aren't you? Oh, the Great American Plant Sale coming up in May sixth, seventh, and eighth. Awesome. What do you guys got? Do you have some Mother's Day gifts for me? We have wonderful, beautiful flower baskets, tons of vegetables. We have four roots out there with a lot of edible plants. We have the master gardeners out there with tons of plants and trees for sale. We have music going on there. We have vendors, coffee. I think we have a little bit of everything. You got coffee, so that's most important, right? (laughs) That is the most important. (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, and that is what brings us to our episode today. So we have the pleasure of sitting with the current president, Matt Velasco, and past president, Kathy Lamoureux, of the Master Gardeners Foundation of Spokane County. So welcome. Thank you for being here, you both. Thank Thank you. Well, let's just go ahead and jump right in. And I want to give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves and um, tell us about your involvement with the Master Gardeners Foundation. Kathy, ladies first. (laughs) Um, Well, I trained as a master gardener in 2008, but the foundation didn't come into being until 2013. So I was a master gardener for a few years before we had a foundation. Uh, The foundation exists solely to support the master gardener program. It is a fundraising arm of the master gardener program. It's fairly seamless between the program and the foundation. It's, it's serves all master gardeners, uh, in the same way. And sometimes people can't figure out whether they're doing a program thing or, or a foundation thing. So that's, that's really good, but it's been around since 2013. Wonderful. And yeah, I know we definitely want to talk about distinguishing the two a little bit more throughout the interview. Um, but Kathy, you are past president. So, uh, how long did you serve as president? (laughs) I was on the board for six years, and I was president for four. Okay, wonderful. And now Matt's president. And Matt? Hi. Would you introduce yourself? I'm I'm Matt Velasco. I've been a master gardener since 2014, and I joined the foundation in 2014. I've been on the board for five years. Um, This is the first year that I've been president, following the footsteps of the greatest of all of them. So, but yeah, we uh, we are the fundraising arm of the Master Gardener program. You know, we support the Master Gardener program in a number of ways: uh, events, um, just being out there and going into the the community, helping them out. Um, so, in terms of being seamless, sometimes our own Master Gardeners don't know the difference between being a Master Gardener and being in the foundation. You can be both. Uh, or you don't have to be on the foundation. So it's it's a it's a matter of uh, a slight 
delineation of what the foundation does. Basically, we raise the funds for the program. And so you just talked about what you do for the program, for the Master Gardeners program. How does the foundation work with the community at large here in Spokane? Well, how, how we work it is through the Friends of the Master Gardener Foundation. So if you're a, uh, a member of the community or... You if know, you're you. Yeah, if, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can join the foundation um, and support uh, what we, we do for the community. And at the same time, um, you're able to enjoy some of the benefits that we provide to all of our members, including... Um, getting discounts at some of the uh, nurseries and other uh, gardening uh, supply outfits that are out here in Spokane. Uh, there's 13 of them right now, and depending on which one you go to, you can get from a 10% discount to a uh, VIP discount, for example, at uh, Site 1. Oh, wow. Awesome. So, Didn't know that. So, Kathy, you mentioned that the foundation started in 2013, mm-hmm. but the Master Gardeners program has been a la- around for a while correct? So what, tell us a little bit about the Almost more than a while. I think think we can change that definition. Okay. The Master Gardener program itself actually started at WSU. So Washington State was the instigator of having a Master Gardener program. Uh, And it started in 1973, which means that next year is the 50th anniversary. And there are huge plans going on. I'm on the committee, the state committee, to make plans for what's going to happen next year. But it's pretty exciting. There's going to be some really nice promotional videos and some gatherings, and the celebration will go on all year and culminate. We have a state conference every year uh, in the fall, so it'll culminate next fall at the state conference. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, the very first county to ha- to train master gardeners was Pierce County on, on the west side. And the reason why they trained master gardeners was that the faculty members that were working over there, mostly at that time, were focused on agriculture and talking to farmers and dealing on things on a large scale. And they started getting a lot of questions from people who were home gardeners, because that's sort of when home gardening started to be of interest to post-World War II families. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have time to answer all those questions, and they didn't honestly know the answers, uh, because their professional focus was large-scale agriculture. So they weren't really sure. So they decided... They were just going to get some people from the community, and they were going to train them as master gardeners to answer those questions. That's how it started, and Spokane actually was the second county, and we started training in 1974. So So. when it started back in 1974, was WCU Extension primarily the financial um, advisor? It was the the instigator... um, all master gardener programs throughout the country are attached to the land grant university in their state. Okay. And so WSU being the land grant university, uh, there was there had to be a presidential proclamation to allow the land grants to do this, which happened. And so they all have the authority to run a master gardener program. It's international right now. There's inter- uh, master gardeners in Canada and in Korea, uh, and in every state 
in the country. And all in communication with each other, I'm assuming? I would assume. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yes, they, I mean, they, there is a national um, committee that sort of oversees all the, all the states that every state gives a, has a representative on. Okay. Yep. And you said land-grant? Land-grant universities. Universities. What exactly is a land-grant university? Oh, gosh, you were going to ask. I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> um, when I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it was in the 1980s, I mean in the 1800s, it might have been President Lincoln um, or Teddy Roosevelt maybe, but sort of one of those decided that there had to be a university in every state and that wasn't the case at the time and that there had to be some government support for those universities and at the time our country was very agrarian and so you know it the focus was on how do we get people to grow the crops for the everybody who's living here and that was the main focus of the universities and so the land grant universities are a federally appointed university in each state in Washington, it's WSU. In Oregon, it's Oregon State. Um, every state has one of their state universities designated as a land grant. So if someone's looking to get into the agricultural educational fields, a land grant university is probably a really good choice then versus I would others? think so. I, okay. I mean, At I, least they're focused on the I same I didn't things. go to a land grant university, but oh. <laughs> um, uh Yes, they they definitely still have a very, very strong agriculture uh, focus, although they do a ton of other things, and there's other universities that do it probably just as well. But Okay. Well, thank you for that. I didn't mean to put you on the spot on that no, one. No, that's, that's okay. That's okay. But that, yeah, that's, there's one around. Idaho, um, University of Idaho is the land grant for Idaho, so. All right. Yeah. So, the Master Gardener program began in 1973? 1973. 74. 70, 73. No, 73 in the state. state in in the 74 state. in Spokane. 74 yeah. in Spokane. And then the foundation didn't come along until 2013. Well, this, yes. Um, our foundation is Spokane County only. Every, not... Every county has a Master Gardener program, although some of the smaller counties band together and run one program um, amongst themselves. So there's not an individual Master Gardener program in every county, but there is a presence in every county. And then not every county also has a Master Gardener foundation, although most of them do. And we also have a state Master Gardener Foundation, as well as a state Master Gardener program. Um, for in, like, I'm on the state foundation board uh, now, and that board, all of the county foundations answer to that board. Okay. So we have a couple of umbrella groups that watch out what we're doing. Okay. So what was really the need to um, start the Master Gardener Foundation here in Spokane County? What was the primary need for that? The primary need was that the program was growing. There is funding for all, all counties uh, fund along with WSU. WSU provides some funds and the counties uh, provide funds. And that's what keeps the lights on, 
uh, helps pay the rent, uh, pays some of the salary, those kinds of things. But every program has more to do than, than those funding sources cover. So every program runs educational offerings that they charge people to attend in order to raise money, have plant sales in order to raise money. And it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. to do that. And, and the people who are employed to our employees who run our program were stretched mm-hmm. and could not sort of keep all of those balls in the air. And so we were not definitely not the first foundation. There's lots of foundation in other counties that are older than us. And so we had examples and a roadmap for how counties operated with their foundation. And we chose to do that. And so when we did that, then we don't get any funding at all from WSU or from the county. That all stays with the program. So whatever funding the the foundation uses to run our events and then to share that financial gain with the program comes only from our fundraising events. So we have to work pretty hard yeah. to, uh, to get our money. <laughs> so is it fair to say that the Master Gardeners Foundation is like the 501c3 mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Master Gardeners program? Then? Yes. It okay. Is. It is yeah. a nonprofit 501c3. Okay. And we also, in that role, not only do we fundraise, we grant write. Oh, wonderful. Okay. What are some of the grants that you guys have <laughs> applied for? Um, well, how about just the ones that we got? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> we have had uh, two grants from the Associated Garden Clubs of Spokane for small garden areas around the extension building that we wanted to beautify and make it look a little bit nicer when you drove into the parking lot. But our biggest grant was in 2017, we got a grant from BECU, the um, Boeing Employees Credit Union, for $15,000. Wow. Uh, it was pretty exciting. That is. It was. Congrats. It was very exciting. And and seeing as how um, myself and one other person wrote it, we were pretty darn excited. And what that grant did was allowed us to establish a program that is still operating uh, in Spokane, in community gardens and underserved neighborhoods. And so we have been able to go in and either set up or help take over established community gardens that were in need of sprucing up, uh, adding more raised beds to it, bringing in soil. And then the other really big part of that is that we offer education at the gardens. And so we run classes all summer for the gardeners who are living in that community and using those beds um, for family food, you know, yeah. and to feeding the feeding their families. And right now we have eight community gardens that we serve under that grant, and uh, it's sort of an established going concern. It's it's a really nice program. Wonderful. And tell me the program name one more time, if it. Or uh, if there's a title for the well, program. Well, we, we just call it our Community Garden Project. Community yeah. Garden Project. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So we're still spending that money. We haven't. <laughs> it's still ongoing. It is. It's ongoing. And we actually, when we got a little of uh, press, um, you know, we 
had a press release, BECU put out a press release, and we actually had a gentleman from the Valley who has since passed away, but in 2017, he was very excited, and he donated an extra 5000 because he thought the project was so cool. So we were able to start out with $20,000 in the bank, and we're still working on it, so that's really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And so you said you have eight of those uh, community mm-hmm. gardens across Spokane, uh, and anybody in those areas can just go there and help out? Yes, anybody can go there and help out. Um, there are established community gardens that are neighborhood gardens in existence, and so then each neighborhood has their rules about you know, paying your fee to be a, a gardener there or, okay. or whatever. And, and there's yeah. a manager in each of those places, and yeah. that's who the a member of the community can go. And if they wanted to... Uh, rent a raised bed, for example, then that's who they would they'd go to the manager. We're really responsible for just... Uh, just kind of putting it together. Putting it all together, keeping it going, uh, helping, bringing in <clears throat> materials for building new beds. We always bring in a ton of soil and seeds, and and we donate plants from that are left over from the plant sale awesome. and so that people can grow plants. And then the education piece is really our big contribution is that we run uh, three or four classes during the growing season on site for the growers on, on growing vegetables, caring for the vegetables. And then we do a final class on preserving. Yeah. What's important there too, is that um, for example, from the plant sale, if we have leftover tomatoes or veggies and herbs, then some most of that will probably go to the community gardens, mm-hmm. and and right now the community garden managers are are all in tune to hey uh, after the plant sale can <laughs> can we have some of those veggies and and we do and we do provide it to them. That's wonderful. So I'm curious for each of you how you both individually got involved with the foundation. What sparked your interest and what led you there? Well, I retired in 2008 um, from the Army after 30 years. And, you know, as you know, Army is a pretty stressful place. Oh, yeah. What was your MOS? I, I was uh, a transporter. Nice. All right. Yeah. Um, but I spent most of my time with the division. So that was more interesting than, than being a... Uh, Got to put up with a bunch of brass over a there. Loggy, you know. Yeah. But uh, so we came back and... Uh, as in most retirements from stressful jobs, you, I tended not to do anything. So I gained like 30 pounds. Um, and then my wife was concerned about my health. And so I guess it was 2010, I decided to start running. And then I decided, hey, yeah, there's more to, than just sitting around at home, look, fixing the house and the yard. So I decided to see if I could join the, the Master Gardener program. Well, actually, I didn't know that there was a Master Gardener program. I uh, saw an advertisement in the paper about master composters. Mm. Okay. So I think it was in 2012 that I became a master composter. And then that's where I saw that there was a Master Gardener program. And, and I decided to apply. And I came in as a trainee in 2014. So, and have enjoyed it ever <clears throat> since. Um, because in, you know, the, the, our role, my wife and I roles are reversed now. And when we were in the army, she would do all the gardening and, and all that stuff. Um, I 
don't didn't have time. Um, but now that we're here and I I do most of the gardening and it's been fun. It's it's a it's a real big stress reliever actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so um you know, my stress level is like in 20 right now instead of no, the 80 90s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but that's how I got in the, the master gardener program. I w- didn't know what to expect. I just thought that okay, uh, I guess they're going to do gardening stuff. I didn't realize that I have to study. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I have always. I grew up in with gardening parents. I've always been around gardening. Uh, I gardened. I've been a gardener in my own garden for over fifty years. And so I, I knew that master gardeners existed, but I was busy. I'm a speech-language pathologist, and I worked for 30 years in long-term care, and I didn't have time to do anything. And then I discovered the field of horticultural therapy. And so while I was still a speech-language pathologist, I went to... Uh, Portland and for a year and a half once once every other month for a year and a half for a week and got a certificate in horticultural therapy that was offered through the legacy legacy health system in Portland and then I was looking for an outlet to use that as well as I used it in my work but I wanted to use it more and at the time uh, there was a fairly active uh, therapeutic horticulture group in the master gardeners and so I figured well they're the ones in Spokane that are doing this kind of thing because really I'm an outlier I have always been the only person with that certificate there was one other person when I was training who had also taken it but she's long retired so that's how I got into the master gardeners program was that I decided that that's where I needed to be to be with some like-minded people um, as far as joining the foundation, um, I think I was asked three times before I agreed to run for the board, and we do have elections. You have to be nominated to be on the board. Uh, that's about it. Okay. <laughs> There's no other real criteria to be a master gardener in good standing and, and be willing to run. Um, and so I, in 2016... I went on call, and so I wasn't working full-time. And so then I had some more time during the day, so I agreed to be on the board. I served two consecutive terms, so I was on the board for six years. And I'm not allowed to be on the board anymore, according to our bylaws, so I'm doing other things now, and I'm really actually having a pretty good time. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a quirk in the bylaws that uh, you... If if you serve two consecutive terms, you cannot be on the board again. No, you can't. You have to wait. A you year. have to wait a year. Oh, but in okay. my case, um, I have not served two consecutive terms. Actually, I ser- I've only served one consecutive term, and and that was the second time. The first time, Kathy actually asked me if I wanted to be be appointed to the board because one of the board members resigned. So in in that sense, um, I was appointed to the board, which in the bylaws doesn't. They doesn't count. Doesn't count. So conceivably, after this year, which is my last year of my first three-year term, I could probably run again, but I, 
don't think I'm going Actually, to. this is not your last year of your three-year term. You've um, it's not? got appointed again. <laughs> you left the board. He was appointed, and then he ran, and then he left the board. Yeah. And then we had somebody resign for health reasons, and I asked him to come back. And so he's back on an appointed Role. That's right. So he's, he's unique. Oh, it sounds like you're just not going to let unique. go. He just know. doesn't want to. He's not off the hook yet, he says, he says he's leaving after this year. Well, <laughs> leaving the board after this year. So. Yeah. So, But what's interesting about the Master Gardeners and, and the foundation is that we come from a variety of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've got professors from EWU, from Gonzaga, from Wazoo, in fact, um, that are either in, on the verge of retiring or have re- already retired. Um, just in the, this recent class, there's a couple of them that are professors, and we have a, a number of PhDs as well, which is quite interesting as, you know, why would a PhD want to be a master gardener, yeah. especially if it's not in their field? We have a medical doctor. Yeah. We have bunch so, of nurses, lots of different professions, yeah, lots of lot teachers. Of pro- yeah. Lots of teachers tend to gravitate. We've got a couple librarians. Yeah, you know, so we we come at it with lots of different skills that yeah. help the program. And we've got a, a Boeing engineer that's uh, one of our master gardeners. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's wonderful. So, so. A great, well-rounded community around the foundation. That's mm-hmm. amazing. You gotta love the peace that plants can bring, huh? Yes, no matter what. <laughs> yes. Right? exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. We have one thing in common. All of our master gardener friends talk plants. So you touched on it a little bit, but I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the Master Gardener Foundation governance. Mm -hmm. So um, like how many people sit on the board? Um, Just give us a little bit of an overview. Um, By the bylaws, uh, 9 to 15 can sit on the board. We currently have 11. Okay. And so, and all of them are, are, um, have to be nominated and then have to be elected by the, uh, foundation as a whole. Um, and so, you know, first of all, they have to be a foundation member to be on the board. And they have to be a master gardener. And they have to be a certified master gardener. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that, and, and that's really what it comes down to. And then once they're on the board, um, the board meets, uh, once a month. In, in our in this case this year it's uh, every second Wednesday of the month, and then um, each sitting um, director of the board has to sit on two committees within the uh, foundation committees. That's in addition to the committees that are part of the Master Gardener program. So conceivably, a uh, a board member um, can volunteer anywhere from none of them get less than 100 100 hours a a year Uh, most of them get 200 to um, you know six seven hundred hours a year wow Uh, so and and the requirement for the master gardener program is only 50 hours okay a year 40 hours of program support hours and 10 hours of continuing education in other words program support being um, going to committee meetings uh, being out uh gathering plants, going to information booths. Uh, working in the plant things. clinic. Working in the plant clinic. Because we have probably one of the best plant clinics in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Well, we should say that we have the best plant clinic in the state of Washington. And at the 2019 International Master Gardener Conference, we were, yeah. we were um, 
No, what's the word? We were the best. We were the best. We we submitted. We we they they have what search for excellence awards in various categories, and you can submit for one of those categories. And so we submitted our plant clinic. Uh, program as an example of a of a category, and I can't remember which category it was, but uh, and we came in first. So we actually have the best plant clinic in the country. Oh my gosh! Well, snaps! Congrats! <laughs> Heck yeah! You know what? This is one of the my favorite things about the podcast is we get to just sit down with all of these different agencies and all these different groups that are right here in our own backyard and. It's pretty impressive what all of these different groups are doing. So big congrats to you guys. That's Thanks. amazing. Mm. Way to put Spokane County on the map. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yep. So board members, um, all they have to do is be elected. I mean, be nominated, excuse me. And they have to be a master gardener. Right. And you talked about the process of becoming a master gardener, um, which involves some um, um, continuing education hours. Um, you mentioned 50 hours. Tell us again, what are those guidelines for becoming a master gardener or kind of the checklist? So to, to become a master gardener, you have to apply to Washington State University, at least at the extension uh, center, and apply to become a master gardener, first of all. And that usually happens uh, starting September of the year, the, the year that uh, you want to be a, we want to join the found, uh, the master gardener program. Okay. And then uh, once you're selected, there's a selection process um, for the community at large. And then once you're selected, you're interviewed, and then the interview process. Then class start in January if you're selected. Okay. There's a fee to to join the master gardener program, um, and then. From January through March this year, all of the classes were held on Zoom, um, and then uh, and each of those each of those uh, trainees we call them uh, have a mentor, a master gardener, uh, certified master gardener mentor, uh, so that they can navigate through all the things that they're having to learn um, as they go through those three months of uh, book learning, so to speak. Oh, that's great. So. We currently have 18 uh, people that are in. They're now in their intern status, which means that they're starting to um, be in the hands-on phase of their training, and so that by October of this coming year, they'll become certified master gardeners if they meet all the gates that's required to become a master gardener, which includes for them 40 hours of uh, of uh, uh, program support hours, which is you know, and going out and, for example, the plant sale that that counts as uh, as hours for for their program support hours. Okay. So plant going clinic. out and have fun. So forty hours of just going out and yes. have fun. Yes. All right. <laughs> Except for the weeding part. <laughs> we do have to maintain gardens around yeah. the extension building. And, and but that, it's fun. That's yeah. even that's. And you only have to do five hours of the weeding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Do you ever have to cap the amount of um, applicants Mm -hmm. for Master Gardeners? Mm -hmm. Okay. We do. We actually have about 100 Master Gardeners. We will add the 18 interns to that, which will be nice. Uh, COVID didn't help us Mm -hmm. at all in 
training and recruiting and training master gardeners, as you can well imagine. We have had uh, almost 200 in years past, but they found that it was just too many people to manage for our staff. The, you know, WSU and the county have a certain FTE and and they're not going to exceed that. And so you have to sort of tailor back how many people those people are responsible for. So we have cut back on the number of people in the class. And so there is a maximum 24, 20, um, 20, 25, 25, 26. This year's class started at 21. Okay. Yeah. I think 25 people will be as many as they'll take. When I trained, they only trained people every other year. Mm, (laughs) And then what they were finding was that they were having too much attrition. Um, Because we're an older group of people, because people tend to only have time to do this kind of work if they're retired or or not working full-time, we tend to be older. And so uh, they had to balance out the number of people who were saying, I'm done with a number of people who are saying, I want to do that. And so 2013, they started training every year. Okay. And you say you have a lot more older people, but that's no knock because I've seen y'all get out there and just go full charge at the plant sale, get out there in the gardens, and just do more than most young bucks can do. So great on (laughs) y'all. Thank you. So... Like, I have a family member who just retired, and he is a garden enthusiast. He's always outside. He always has his hands in the ground, working on projects, um, things like that. Um, And for any of our listeners who might be interested in going through the Master Gardener program, what's the best way or where should they start if they're interested? They just need to uh, go online and type in Spokane Master Gardeners and the Home and Garden website will show up from extension um and they're in the on that website it it discusses how to become a master gardener and the application forms are there they can call the they can come to the plant clinic they can call uh the plant clinic and uh they don't have to have a a plant question they could have a a What's it like to be a master gardener question? I mean, okay. it's, it's staffed by master gardeners every day, Monday to Friday. So um, they could just come in and talk to somebody and find out firsthand whether it sounds like it's a good plan. Okay. And for those who might not know where um, or much about the plant clinic, where is it located? It It's at, uh, at the Extension Center on 222 North uh, Havana Street. Okay. Right by the fairgrounds. Wonderful. Smack dab in the middle of Spokane. (laughs) I love it. So you also mentioned um, memberships. So tell us about the different levels of membership and what those entail. Yeah, there's uh, three three levels. Uh, The first level is our master gardeners. So you have to be a certified master gardener of Spokane County to be a, to be a uh, of that membership category, and that costs ten dollars. Um, the next uh, level is friend of the Master Gardener Foundation, and that's open to anyone that's uh, here in the community, anywhere um, in not only in in the county, but we've got members from Seattle, Bremerton, um, Idaho, and um, I think there's there's even one from utah this year oh um, wow you know so 
and that's twenty five dollars for the whole year. Okay. And then uh, our the, we have a we have a third category that's uh, our uh, business partners, and you know so that's uh, that's a hundred dollars for a business partner. Okay. Yeah, and those are the three. I guess the gentleman in Utah heard about you being the best of the best and said <laughs> you needed to join. He probably they, they probably it, heard it from Cabin Fever. Yeah, I think oh, it, yeah. we have some people from Utah who have been able to attend Cabin Fever, which is our educational offering that we always do in March. The last two years, we've had to do it online. And so we brought in, um, this year, we had people from 11 different states. We had somebody as far away as Vermont um, who actually got in touch with us and said, this is a great program. I'm a science teacher in a high school. I'm going to use uh, some of the videos that I that I was able to watch in my high school class, and it was a woman from Vermont. So that was pretty cool. Very but cool. Hopefully next year we'll be back to in person. There's advantages and disadvantages to that, but it's time to try to do it in person. Mm-hmm. I have to say I did just do um, my first outreach event last weekend since COVID, and it was great to shake hands, see people face-to-face, um, allow them to ask those questions in person. Um, so yes, looking forward to more of those in-person events and definitely cabin fever. I always look forward to that in the spring as well. Um, so we talked about kind of the group and, um, kind of your demographic of who's part of the foundation. And I'm just curious, um, what are some of like the ways in which you do outreach to maybe try and get, a little bit more of a younger generation involved in, or do you? I don't know. I, I mean, we try to, we try to get all of the demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually the outreach is through the program, uh, information booths. For example, we'll have a booth at, at the, uh, at the fairgrounds this year. Oh, wonderful. Um, okay. and then, uh, if we if there are uh, farmers markets, um, sometimes we'll have booths there, and then at schools, uh, if a school wants us to set up a booth, we'll, then we'll do that. We also have youth programs. Okay. Uh, so some of the uh, uh, some of our master gardeners are very enthusiastic about teaching youth about gardening, and it's it's quite a quite an experience to join them and and see how they uh, get the kids excited about. Uh, you know, all aspects of, of gardening. Got to and, teach them to be self-sufficient at a young age. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Schools, all, every school should teach that, shouldn't they? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, I think we reached our, it, it's a conversation. It's a topic of conversation. Part of it is that so much of our work can be done during the week that it's hard for people who are mm-hmm. holding full-time jobs. Yeah. They have to be really dedicated. We, you know, we have a lot of Saturday and weekend things that they can volunteer for, but that volunteer requirement uh, can be onerous on somebody who's got a young family and a full-time job and those kinds of things. Thus, people who have a little bit more time tend to gravitate towards the program. But uh, there's a fairly good young demographic that comes to Cabin Fever and definitely uh, Garden Fair. Um, a lot of uh, We're seeing a lot of younger uh, home gardeners that want plants. And when is Garden Fair? Sixth, seventh, same and eighth. dates as your 
All right. I was going to say, well, this is a great transition because this May is why 6, we wanted to bring you all on. So yeah. tell us all about the annual garden fair and the plant sale coming up. So the uh, we've been doing this for quite some time. Um, initially, it was just a one-day sale, usually at the end of April. Uh, because of the pandemic and, and our us starting to get back into the groove of uh, being, seeing each other. Um, last year we had it, we had an, a by appointment only uh, sale and, and then uh, it was all online. Uh, so this year we decided to kind of do a hybrid. It is on, it is, the appointments are online, um, but you can go and uh, on the sixth, on the seventh and eighth, you can go and look at the plants and buy them instead of, you know, choosing from a picture online okay great. Uh, in that sense uh, the 6th of may is strictly for foundation members so if anyone wants to join the foundation be before then just uh, get on our website and, and join and we'll send you an email as to when you can sign up for an appointment for that day and the same thing for the 7th and 8th all of it is by appointment um, and what we're trying to do is uh, not limit people from going but so that we can stretch out where where uh, uh, and kind of monitored so that we're not you know a thousand people in one area at the same time and he's not exaggerating mm -hmm. we will have a thousand people sometimes standing at the gate waiting for us to open oh, wow. yeah yeah and so that gets pretty crowded so we're going to yeah. try not to have those big crowds yeah make it easy on your yeah i remember my wife and I would would stay at the at where we were going to have our our plant sale, you know, in our little uh, A-liner trailer, you know, at night. <laughs> and I remember the first, well, this was 2018, I guess it was, and I got up at six o'clock, you know, watered the plants, and there was a line. <laughs> and we didn't open till nine. It didn't open oh, till wow. nine, and and we didn't have any fencing, so I'm thinking, who are these people? <laughs> well, hey, when you're number one in the country. <laughs> <laughs> People want your plants. <laughs> I mean, it's exciting at yeah. the same time, but uh, yeah. go, it's scary too because at six o'clock in the morning, there's already a line waiting to come in. <laughs> right. So, what kind of plants y'all going to have at your fair this year? We, we'll have all sorts of uh, uh, plants there. We'll have a lot of veggies, a lot of tomatoes, different varieties of tomatoes, plenty of herbs. Uh, we'll have natives there, and then uh, we'll have berries as well. Uh, uh, Spokane Conservation District uh, uh, generously donated uh, Chandler uh, blueberries to us this year, nice. so that's that's exciting, um, especially for our berries guys who are, mm -hmm. you know, they're into the berries and and they're wanting to you know give those away and sell them. Um, we'll also have a lot of uh, trees, some uh, a lot of perennials, uh, shrubs, and grasses as well. Um, that on all of these, uh, especially the perennials. Uh, are from gardens, Master Gardener uh, uh, member gardens that we've dug up and, and, and kept overwintered this past year here at the Spokane Conservation District. Okay. And we do that every year, actually. Uh, but this is the first year that we've been, they've been overwintered in a, in a place that's, that's not in a Master Gardener yard. <laughs> so but, We're also going to have a lot of dahlia tubers. Yeah. Ooh. And we're having houseplants this year for the first time. Ooh. So Love that's that. a big trend. We got to stay, you know, ahead of the curve. 
Definitely. So we're having we're having those lots of perennials, lots yeah, and lots, lots of, of perennials. Well, right now, I am we keep track of what kind of perennials we have, and we've got about five thousand uh, perennials over there at the where Garth and Ben have their little nursery. Uh-huh. We're, yes. we're right next door to them, and so there's about five thousand uh, pots over there full of plants. And yeah, so you're saying uh, appointments are the best way to go on this, and yeah. so someone can go onto your website. Bring up the whole plant list of yeah. the whole list. And it, just it would off. not be the whole list. Okay. It's, um, it's just a a a, um, an ex, uh, a sample of what is available in all of those categories, um, whether they're berries or uh, grasses and 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 you know trees and shrubs. We try to put as many on there as we can, but then you know weather and conditions. Sometimes some of the plants don't make it and. Yeah. But there is a plant list online now on the mass on the mgfsc.org. That's the foundation website. Um, there is a plant list, and then um, the appointments will open up prior to this being aired. So okay. the appointments open up on the thirtieth of April. So, All right. yeah. And I'm assuming there are um, a certain number of um, spots per There's appointment. There's 40 per hour each day. Okay. Yeah. For, right. 40 per hour. And then, uh, with, I guess there'll be add-ons for anyone that's, uh, you know, might, might walk in. See, and this is what I mean. Y'all are going to kill it with 40 per hour. I'm thinking <laughs> like on our side, if we get 15, I'm going to be overwhelmed. So <laughs> you're going to get more than you're going to get more than 15. Believe me, you'll get more. Well, tell us a little bit more. What else are, what are some of the other plants or maybe some plant species that you're really excited for? Maybe you've gotten a sneak peek of that are. Well, my personal favorites are the natives. Mm -hmm. I've really trying to be a more conscious native plant grower over the past few years. So I really look forward to the natives and so do a lot of other people. Believe me, those native plants, they cannot bring in enough native plants to satisfy the need. It, it, um, we could have just a native plant sale and I think we could do really well. Yeah. Um, I, uh, same here. Um, I always look forward to balsam root. Oh, okay. unfortunately, you know, you can't, you can see them out there, but you can't dig it up. It doesn't look forward it to doesn't, you. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> what's that? I said it doesn't look forward to you. It does not. I, I every year I buy one, um, and I plant it, and I baby it, and every year the following year it doesn't come up. Like just like this year, it mine mine did not come up. So, and I think I'm looking. I keep looking for a location in my garden that it might like. So I'll, I'll be out there looking for balsam root again if this year. So. I'm glad you said that because I've been up at okay. Camp Zakani where it goes crazy, all the balsam root. And I tried it one year. Huge no. taproot. Yes. Huge taproot. You, on you it. keep digging and digging. Yeah. You, you keep you, digging. And if you don't get it yeah. all, it, it'll it. die on you. Right. Yeah. Won't and even it, make it home. And it doesn't like cultivated soil. Yeah. And so when you plant it in your garden and you've been nice to your soil, it's like, eh. it, it, you know, it does not want, yeah. it wants to grow right out there where I'm looking on those rocks. Um, in, in soil that's not very nutrient dense, uh, lots of sun and don't water it. 
And yeah. don't water it. Don't water it. God, it could be the perfect plan if we just figure out how to get it over yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, people, people, they see it and they want it. And the Plants of the Wild uh, nursery down in Tico, where we, we do source a lot of our native plants that don't come out of our gardens that we dig, we have to add to the inventory because we just can't supply enough. Um, they grow it and we bring some in. But like Matt said, it's... It's tricky. A lot of people can't grow it. So if you got a green thumb out there and you're looking for a challenge, that's the plant to get. Arrowleaf balsam root. That's probably the most challenging native plant we'll sell. Yeah. Now there are balsam root in the city. There, there's a. There, in fact, on if you go on uh, Foothills Boulevard, right before you hit Hamilton, Nevada. Mm-hmm. On the if you're going towards Euclid, because once you cross Nevada, Hamilton, it becomes Euclid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a empty lot on the left side, right before the light. And this spring, it'll be full of balsam root. It, and that's the only place in the middle of the city that I've seen where they've. I mean, it's just growing there, and I and invariably I see people trying to dig them up. And, <laughs> but it's, and yeah, it's not, dry and rocky. It's not surviving. Yeah, yeah, no. So I'm curious, approximately how many plants will you have for sale at this year's fair? Uh, I think this year there's probably going to be at least uh, 7,000 plants. Nice. And that includes all veggies and taps or trees, annuals, perennials, shrubs, um, and grasses and, and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and then we'll have some house plants. One of the things we... Uh, We'll have some annuals, like uh, hanging baskets, but um, not as many as probably other uh, 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 plant sales will have. Um, mainly because I think it's a little, it's, it's for us, it's so early that, and we don't have a greenhouse yet. So mm-hmm. the operative word is yet. You haven't asked about that yet. I haven't, <laughs> but what a great segue. So yes. Um, there have been some rumblings around the office, and I know that you guys have been on um, our new campus quite frequently. Um, tell us what's kind of on the horizon. Um, what's going on? Well, <laughs> what's on the horizon is a, is a greenhouse here at the Spokane Conservation District. I think it's going to be located right across that uh, area, that open area mm-hmm. on the other side of this uh, parking lot. Um, we're just waiting for Spokane or Spokane Valley to... Uh, let you guys know that uh, there's been a plat change. So, and once that's done, I think we, we'll get an MOA signed and, and we'll go from there. So, uh, it's, it's really exciting because it's our first really big expense that we have committed the foundation to making. And it's all credit to the people in Spokane who have so willingly yeah, joined yeah. our our fundraising efforts by coming to our sales and going to cabin fever and Mm -hmm. joining the foundation as members. I mean, that all counts. And over the years, we've been able to accumulate uh, a fairly healthy bank account and be able to share it with lots of programs and projects and keep everything running. And now we're taking a huge hunk of that money and building a 36 by yeah, nine, yeah, 30 by 96 30 by 96 wow. greenhouse. Nice. 
Um, grow quite a bit in that, huh? Greenhouse. And so we're really excited because that's going to allow us to do a lot of our own growing of, of things that we can't do right now. Mm-hmm. And we'll be using it for educational opportunities, running classes in it, and um, doing lots of things. So this well, time next year. Well, we are just so excited for you guys and for that greenhouse and we just love our partnership with you it's always so great to see you on campus and out in the nursery and getting some plants healed in so um no we appreciate and love our partnership with you guys so just back to the plant cell because i want to make sure that we get our listeners excited make sure that we get some of that foot traffic there make sure that we get Um, people signing up for those appointments to come to the plant sale. So tell us again, just the dates, the times, and how one will go and book an appointment. And the other thing we haven't said is where is it? Oh, yeah. yeah, And where is it? (laughs) So the the sale is the 7th and 8th, with the 6th of May being for foundation members. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's by appointment only, 40 uh, appointments uh, an hour. Uh, from it's from 8.30 to 4 o'clock on the 6th and 7th and from 8.30 to 2 o'clock on Sunday the, 7th, uh, the 8th. Okay. So that, that's, and it's over at the Extension Center, uh, 222 North Havana Street, uh, where the old Spokane Conservation District used to be. And Plenty it's right there of parking. In the Plenty of Plenty parking. Plenty of parking. We can park, you know, the fairgrounds is right next to the building. Right. So. Just park in the field. Yeah. Come shop for plants. And when people show up, is there any off-limit spaces where you don't want them driving or just don't want yeah. congestion happening? We'll have we'll have uh, people there to to show them where to park, and then there'll be a, an entrance into the plant sale area. Oh, perfect! Because it can and get I, a little crazy with the fairgrounds right there yeah. and all the traffic <laughs> going through. Right, right. There's nothing going on at the fairgrounds in that um, south of the uh, baseball stadium. This that weekend so that's that's a really good thing people coming to your sale that's right next door you need you know like they're going to get a twofer this time most definitely because you'll be in the old um conservation district uh next door and then we'll be running and so your people can park in the fairgrounds field too yeah, so so lots of great things happening that weekend so not only do uh, the Master Gardeners Foundation have your guys' garden fair and plants all going on. But, Dwayne, I'll give you an opportunity to also talk about the Great American Plant Sale and Four Roots. So, yeah, the Great American Plant Sale, Vets in the Farm, Four Roots, um, will be right next door with the Master Gardeners, side by side. We'll have one road kind of uh, separating us. Uh, we'll be open to foot traffic. All the public can come in. Um, lots of different vegetables and plants, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, and everything's right in time for Mother's Day, so some great gift ideas for all those special ladies out in your life, right? And we yes, and on that, I got to build on that. So we actually do have a nice greenhouse already. So we got a kick on the season, and our baskets are looking fantastic wow. right now. Um, we still have what two weeks, almost a week and a half. I'm horrible with dates, but yeah, we still have a week and a half, so they'll be more full. So we, nice. we got that part covered at least. You got the trees, we got the baskets, we both got the veg. Oh, life's going to be good. <laughs> well, and so kind of just to wrap up everything, um, I'd love 
for both of you just to tell us what are really the benefits of our community members supporting the Master Gardeners Foundation, going to Cabin Fever, going to the plant sale, um, being involved with the foundation. You want to start? The biggest benefit to the community is the our ability to offer free and research-based education. Um, so we have access to all of the WSU resources and all the resources from other Master Gardener programs in other states that may have similar growing conditions that we do. Like we can go to Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Nevada, um, and get information for people. Uh, so that's our presence in the community is probably that's our biggest contribution to the community is that we are a free, unbiased, research-based information center. Mm -hmm. um, the, the next thing is just our hands-on activities that we do in the community, the education classes that the youth program provides in the schools, and our community garden work. That's all in the community, hands-on, going out and meeting the people where they're at and where they're gardening so that... They don't have to make the effort to come to us. We also um, have a lot of information booths. Uh, as Matt said, we always have a booth at the fair. And this year, we actually are going to uh, the city of Spokane, renovated Shadle Park Library. And during that renovation, they built a raised bed garden next door to their new building. And so... This year, the Master Gardeners are going to be there gardening in those raised beds as a demonstration garden project. Um, and so we will have a, a remote plant clinic there uh, every other Saturday, and they will be doing demonstrations and, and classes in that garden and then turning the garden over next year to the community and so the community can garden there. The other thing that's happening at the Extension Center that people will be able to see when they come to the plant sale is that in conjunction with Spokanescape, we have put in a waterwise garden. And oh, so that is just being planted up probably as we speak. <laughs> uh, they've been working on getting the plants in. We moved a lot of plants from uh, gardens that were in other areas near the extension building that we no longer are going to garden in. And then we added plants from our own gardens uh, and it has different, it has a really nice accessible pathway through it. It runs all the way across the front of our parking lot between the parking lot and the street. So anybody can just come in and walk. Um, there will be signage and information boards eventually and classes. And there's demonstration of, of in-ground irrigation and drip lines. There's different mulches used on different pieces of it, so it's a real educational opportunity. So that's that's new and exciting. We've been working really hard on that. And we, we also have a remote uh, plant clinic in Cheney as well. True. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, At the Cheney Library um, twice a month. Yeah. Should know the, the time, but I think it's yeah. a Thursday. I think twice a month. We have enough gardeners that live south of of the city and a lot of people, uh, there's a good group of them based in the Cheney area. So they run a plant clinic out there so they don't have to drive all the way into town. Yeah. And all of the information that Kathy just, just gave 
couldn't be done without the foundation as well because the foundation and and actually the community because the the community are the ones that provide the funding to us in terms of attending their events the plant sale and all of that money that they uh, provide to those events goes directly back to the program so that we can hold those information booths so we can do the remote plant clinic at Cheney um, and then uh, do these other events the, the youth programs Mm-hmm. So that, that's really what the linkage is, the, the foundation being able to, to, to garner enough money to be able to support and continue to support the program. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, Matt and Kathy, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. We know you're busy. We know you got lots of stuff to get ready for for next weekend. So we don't want to take up too much of your time. But... We can't let you go without doing our little spitfire round (laughs) so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. So are you ready? Sure. All right. I'll kick us off with where is a place you'd like to travel next? Does it have to have been planned or is this a guess? It's just what you want. Yeah, what? We're, we're in October, we're going to Panama. Pan, we're oh, ta- taking wonderful. a cruise through the Panama Canal on our way to visit our daughter and our three of our grandkids in Tampa. Very cool. So That sounds fun. I have a, uh, a hankering to go to the very far south, um, southern Oregon coast. I grew up uh, in Portland. And I spent a lot of time going to the coast. My mother loved it. And I cannot remember being any further south than Coos Bay. Oh. <laughs> so I've been nagging my husband for a trip to um, southern Oregon down to Brookings. Um, and and it, horticulturally, it's a really rich area and they can grow a lot of things that we cannot grow anyplace else in the Northwest and then go down maybe as far as the Redwood National Forest in California and then come back up. That's cool. Redwood. Mm. Yeah. We spent spent a couple nights there. That would be very cool. Okay. So what is your favorite spot to eat here in Spokane? Just one place? (laughs) (laughs) You can name a couple or a few. Well, Favorite for me is wild sage, but oh, oh yes. I love wild sage. Hey, sometimes that counts. What, what did you say? I thought you'd say Burger King. Oh no, I, I would not. I would have said McDonald's, but <laughs> because I have a right here. <laughs> No, but I would wild sage. Uh, when clover was still around, we'd go there. Um, and uh, I guess that's that. Uh, we go to Elliot's on Love Sundays. Elliot's. On Sundays after Ooh. church. Brennan got uh, me on to Elliot's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, we when we that was a, when they first opened. We'd go there every Sunday, mm-hmm. nine thirty. Right after eight thirty mass, and um, it was it's fun. Their brunch is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I love their brunch. Kathy, what about you? Well, I, I don't want to sound repetitive, but Wild Sage yeah. is definitely my choice. Both my husband and I have a fairly long list of food intolerances, so eating out 
isn't really something we do a lot. Mm -hmm. We don't go out as much as Matt does. Um, But when we do go, we often head for wild sage. Yeah, for sure. Okay, finish this sentence. On the weekends when you're not working or volunteering, you can usually find you where? In my garden. (laughs) In my garden. I had a feeling that might be both of your guys' answers. (laughs) If I could garden 12 months out of the year, I'd be out there. I hate it when the snow covers it up, even though I know it's nice for the plants to have their roots under a blanket. It... It's not my favorite time of the year. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, 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 it's, I'm not the opposite of that, but what I do in the wintertime is I go outside with a cup of coffee and I look at my hardscape because there's nothing oh. else to look at and go, hmm, I wonder what I can do next this spring. I like it. Yeah. Being innovative. <laughs> I spend all winter doing that. All winter. But I don't write mine down. I just like, think about it. Yeah. What am I going to change? I've been in my garden for 25 years, and we've in our home for 25 years. Um, it changes every year. Yeah, it, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite movie, and do you have a quote? <laughs> my favorite movie is an old, old movie called Shirley Valentine. Have oh, you ever heard of it? No. I do not have a quote, but it is about a British woman who goes to Greece uh, on a, on a vacation with a friend, her friend wants her to go. And so she goes without her husband or her kids and the friend kind of like deserts her. And she's there on this Greek Island all by herself. And she has adventures and I just love it. It's, it's great. And you can hardly ever find it. Uh, even to, to rent out of the library, you can't find it anymore, but I know you don't have a quote, but does it have a star? Someone that everybody knows? <clears throat> Um, I don't think the woman who's who was Shirley Valentine um, is probably well known here. I d- honestly don't remember her name. Okay. It was probably from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, it, I bet it was a long time ago. That's how old I am. I'm add it to my <laughs> list. And mine is a little weird, but White <clears throat> Christmas, Bing Crosby. Oh, okay. nice. And, and, and only because, uh, we watch it every year, um, and all our kids grew up on it. And, and I, I, when, when they married, I sent them a, a copy of the, of the movie. And so all their, all our kids, we have, uh, 11 grandkids, all of them watch it every, every Christmas. Oh, um, and awesome. sometimes we try to watch it together simultaneously nice now for the for the adults it's okay i i know what's coming next yeah for the kids it's different yeah Yeah, new and exciting can't break tradition yeah and i don't have a quote okay (laughs) (laughs) all right and one question we always have to end on and ask our guests beatles or the rolling stones neither Neither. Right. <laughs> Neil Young. No, there you oh, go. Right. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. And I've heard you ask everybody that question. I should have been prepared for the answer. Uh, Beatles. But it's, it's close. It's very close. <laughs> well, Matt and Kathy, thank you so much again for sitting down with us. Listeners, make sure that you go and check out the Master Gardeners Foundation Annual Garden Fair happening 
Saturday and Sunday, May 7th and 8th. And for foundation members, you get to go in on May 6th. Um, All of their information can be found on the website, which is mgfsc.org. Stands for Master Gardener Foundation, SpokaneCounty.org. So we hope to see you all there. Make sure you come on out, grab some plants, and get outside and meet your foundation members. Thank Thank you you. for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.